the last time I saw Paul in New York, which was about a month ago, we talked about very early days a lot, and we had a good, a good couple of nights reminiscing about Hamburg and Liverpool. And now it's it's so far away that we really do like it. I, I even collected Beatle memorabilia from the Beatle Fest held in New York. They had this rally with five or 10,000 people, in fact. It was very good. I got old Beatle posters and badges and all the jazz and Beatle bootlegs. So I'm a Beatle fan. special bonus episode of when they was fab it is fast week hey everybody hey 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 joining us this week are two folks who are going to be on a panel actually a couple panels with me queen of all beatles media everyone's favorite talk more talk host no <laughs> offense tom <laughs> kid o'toole hey kid hey ed that's my favorite introduction yet <laughs> And then there's our favorite host of Two Legs. Again, no offense, Tom. <laughs> Danny Nichols. Hi, Ed. Hi, kid. Thanks very much uh, for putting this together, Ed. Yeah, we're getting ready for the fest. Yeah, we're going to have a good time, and we're going to be three very busy people. Yes, we are. If you're going to be in Chicago the 12th, 13th, and 14th, come and find us. We'll be glad to talk to you. We'll, we're happy to talk anything Beatles, and, of course, we always want to let you know whatever you want to know about our shows. Absolutely. You will find us uh, running around for much of the weekend. We are going to be on panels. I'll have a table in the marketplace. You will definitely find us all weekend long at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Yeah, for sure you can grab us on. There's two, quite possibly three panels we'll be on together. And uh, beyond that, we all expect to be spending some time at Kit's table. That's right. Absolutely. Yes, we're looking forward to it. It'll be my second fest this year. I attended with my podcast partner here in New Jersey, Tom, who came out here in uh, April. Sadly, he's not making this trip, but one leg is better than none. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, especially when it's our favorite leg. Oh, you're too kind. (laughs) All right. So the news never stops. So despite the fact that we're talking about fest, we want to talk about a couple of news items that happened here in the recent past. First off, Julian Lennon has released another song from his album. This is actually my favorite of the songs that he's released from the Jude album. The name of this song is 
Lucky Ones. It's more of a pop song. Kit, do you have any thoughts on this record? I've been so busy trying to get ready for the fest that I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I definitely will. Why is this one your favorite uh, so far? The four we've had before have been a little bit slow, a little bit dirgy, and a little bit mm-hmm. long. This is much more of a pop record, and I tend to think that's kind of Julian's sweet spot. Julian, despite the fact that he wants to be, is not really a rocker. Yep. We all yeah. remember his version of Day Tripper from the 80s. The best stuff on, you know, Save a Lot did have a poppier sound to it. That's true. Yes. Good luck for, to Julian. I'm glad he's continuing to do music. I'm personally not really into it too much these days. I think Photograph Smile, I thought, was a tremendous record, and I enjoyed that. But anything recently, I mean, I think that it's great that he's taking up photography and he's really at peace with his past, and I think that's great. We say that, but, you know, there has to be a little bit of something going on other than just, I don't want to be called John in him changing his name recently. Oh, yes. Right. But no, I I think he's a little bit more at peace. Although, again, he's calling the album Jude, and he's throwing a picture of himself as a kid on there. You know, he both wants to play off his Beatle past and not play off it. Oh, I I don't want to talk about that at all. Then he throws this cover photo out there and calls the record after his most famous Beatle relationship. Yeah, but I think he's okay with it. I mean, I think he's been okay with it for the last... 10 years or so when he did all those interviews years back, he seems to be in a decent and a good place. So if he is, then God bless him. Yeah. I think he's in a better place for sure. As as you said, Andy, in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. In the past, he didn't want to talk about it. And I did feel bad for him, particularly around the time of a lot, because he was being constantly compared to his dad. I mean, the poor guy, he sounds so much like John, he can't help it. And then there were other reasons, I know. But yeah, I agree. I think the last 10 years or so, and of course, we don't know everything. He's definitely mellowed out, uh, you know, since the days when he was offended by not being invited to uh, Paul's wedding to Nancy. I mean, that was a particularly nasty time in his relationship with his past. And then not being part of the Grammy thing. But anyway, as you say, I I do think, yes, he's mellowed out, uh, but he also is quite willing to take advantage of his Beatle past, however he may feel. Yeah, whenever it. whenever he needs to, I sure. guess. So. Yeah, Paul playable. does the same thing. You bet. <laughs> Good point. Topic number two, Mo Austin passed away from Warner Brothers. Condolences to him and his family. He was one of George Harrison's best friends in the record industry, I think, and George wrote a song for him. Yep. That's right. Yes. And I'm glad you brought this up because I I forgot that, that Mo Austin passed away recently. Certainly a legend in the business. uh, And and gave George that boost in the arm that his career needed at that point. Yeah. My one question about that is where was Mo during the Somewhere in England fiasco? With the rejected running order and all that stuff. I don't know. I've never heard. Yeah, I haven't either. Not sure. But he was definitely around for George's comeback. He was one of the big boosters with Cloud9 and then the Wilburys. Yeah. Mo was very happy with the results that the Wilburys <laughs> came up with because of the success that they had. And, you know, George kind of running that into the touring and then going into Japan and all that. So George kind of found a little bit of a rebirth there, starting with Cloud9 and wrote it for a few years. And Mo was supported that and um, was a good ally for George at that point in time when George was really 
not doing much. I mean, from between Gontrapo and Cloud9, it was really kind of slim pickings. They were commenting on the Beatles channel that any other record exec would have just said, okay, you haven't been selling your last few records anyway. We don't need you anymore. Yeah, that's true. Boy, he obviously, uh, Austin made the right move because Cloud9 was his major comeback, did extremely well. And a big supporter of the Beach Boys, I might add, and then and the music that they made in the early 70s, which he championed. I know we're Beatles here, but I'm really glad that Mo was a supporter of the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and supported all the, 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 the direction that the band took there in the early 70s with Sunflower and Surf's Up. Mo Austin was a big, big advocate with those releases. So I'm very glad that, first, even for that alone, outside of the Beatles connection, that he was an advocate of the Beach Boys when they were not really in favor with the public at that time. Well, and we can make a Beatles connection. Ricky Vitar was a member of the studio Beach Boys at that time, and he's on all of those records, the early 70s records. Right. Yes, he is. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Everything's connected to them. Nothing is Beatle proof, as they say in Yellow Submarine. That's right. <laughs> Number three here, the one, two, three McCartney boxes are out. Has anybody gotten theirs yet? No. Did you order it? No, I did not. Oh, I'm skipping this. Oh, yes, but I think a mutual friend of all three of ours uh, uh, ordered it. Oh, of course he got it. <laughs> yeah, Lonnie Lonnie also got the colored vinyl. He found a way to get $20 off from UME on it. You put it in your basket, you leave your basket overnight, and they will send you a $20 coupon. I can't fathom buying that. I mean, okay, you get a nice little unique box, but I'm telling you right now, guys, if I bought that box set... I'd look at it, I might play the records once, it'd go on the shelf, and I'd never touch it again. I'm not buying it. I bought the CD box, you know, just because I wanted the packaging and everything else, and it's cheap enough. Kid, are you going for any formats of that? I don't think so. I'm I'm sorry to say. I mean, if you're a completist, you have to have every format, but I'm kind of with you, Andy. We need our 17th color of McCartney 3. I mean, the clear vinyl looks nice. I've seen some of the stuff on social media, but I mean, it's redundant at this point. And I don't even know what the vinyl box is going for. Maybe if the CD box, as you say, Ed, is a little cheaper, maybe I'll get that. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a huge McCartney fan. I I have just about everything he's done, but I'm at that point where I don't need everything. And my partner in crime, who shall remain nameless, um, (laughs) loves to have everything. So God bless him. I mean, it all depends on where you're at in your collecting fandom, I guess, of music. Exactly. And considering things that are coming up, which I have a strong feeling we'll be discussing in just a minute, I've got to save my money. (laughs) (laughs) The more important thing from my point of view, as folks who listen to the show know, I'm a big fan of the surround Dolby Atmos mixes. And McCartney has actually made these three albums available in Dolby Atmos on the streaming services that carry it. Kid, are you much into the Dolby Atmos stuff or not really? Not really. If I had like a really super expensive stereo system, which, you know, someday. Kid, if you've been following the group, you don't need seven speakers anymore. Really? Modern headphones will do Dolby Atmos and do the surround very well. Oh, really? That's good to know. That's good to know, because I used to think that. I thought you had to have, like, the multi-speakers. Until about a year and a half, two years ago, you did. Yeah. 
Interesting. I did not know that. As you guys know, in anticipation of the fest, I got myself a, a nice new pair of uh, AirPods Max. The, yes, you did. And those and the modern generation of the in-ear AirPods will do Dolby Atmos in full surround. Oh, okay. You put those in your ear and you have be a 2021 or more recent macintosh but any iphone after the iphone 7 will do it oh okay i if that enhances the listening experience and you can hear things differently i I absolutely can hear the surround i mean i have a real surround system and it's just like when do you want to listen normally through speakers or when you want to listen to headphones but it's nice to be able to put on the headphones and get the full surround experience without having to have seven speakers hooked up right exactly (laughs) Okay, well, this may be a game changer because I thought, yeah, I'm not going to invest in right now. And, you know, yeah, as you said, seven speakers and all that stuff. But okay, you you learn something new every day. This is something that they've started what they call facial mixing. Oh, okay. Which is really just the Apple version of the Dolby Atmos. Okay. Okay. Wow. See, when you listen to our different shows, you're going to learn things. You know, you just it's, it isn't just about music. And just very briefly, McCartney, the original McCartney, is less impressive in surround, but I mean, you kind of expect that considering how it was recorded. Yeah. McCartney 2 is wild. The new surround mix it coming up is tremendous. The bass is right there, right to the fore. And and then temporary temporary secretary is about as crazy as you might expect it to be. (laughs) But the winner is McCartney 3. I'm not surprised. Both because it was recorded with that in mind, I'm sure. But just listening to it, the most difference yet being the same, it's made me go back and listen to this album several times again. I I haven't listened to it in a couple months, I would say. But since the surround has come out, I've listened to it three times. Wow. And then the last of our news bits before we get into the blatant promotion, there have been a couple of rumors from the Beatle fan folks, but actually they didn't come originally from the Beatle fan folk. There was a podcast that Giles Barton's partner was on. He had actually revealed both of the big rumors about six weeks ago. What he said at the time was that A, the Beatles are working with Peter Jackson again, and that something will be coming out eventually, and B that they were working on the next box set and that they plan to be going backwards. Right. So yep. who announced that, Ed? Uh, that's Sam O'Kell. He announced it. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, he didn't really announce it. It just came about as part of their conversation. Right. And I mean, no one really picked up on it. This was like the beginning of July. Wow. And it's only after the Beatle fan report that anyone said, oh, yeah, Sam O'Kell mentioned that a month ago. <laughs> Goodness. Well, you knew somewhere along the line, you hoped that they were going to start back up, you know, after with Let It Be last year and everything, and where exactly were they going to start with Please Please Me and work their way back up, but no, they're going to go to Revolver and work backwards, and <laughs> we know it's going to be great. That's the, one of the ones that people have been waiting for, and Kit and I were talking, I think, a couple of days ago, we're just not we're, not, we're not, we're a little surprised that they're not bundling it with Rubber Soul, but hey, they're going to do Revolver on its own? So uh, you know, Beetle fan may not be correct. I've heard Rubber Soul rumors as well. Really? Not from what I would call a reliable source, but I've heard it from a source. Mm, interesting. You know, and it may be that they're working on both of them, just knowing that Rubber Soul will be out 
after Revolver. I mean, Rubber Soul is the one that really needs a good solid remix. Yeah. And Rubber Soul in Atmos, that will be a treat. Oh, I yep. wouldn't mind hearing Tomorrow Never Knows in Atmos. That could be interesting. <laughs> Oh. That's gonna that's gonna make you go buy the AirPods, huh? Yeah, that may do it. <laughs> okay, so the rumor is on October the 9th, we're gonna get a sometime in New York City box. Now, that's not a surprise to any of us. Yeah, this has been rumored all year. This year was coming and out. going back to the end of 2021, really. Yeah, exactly. It was supposed to come out earlier this year, and then it was delayed, and you know, so finally. Looks like it's going to get a get released. So yeah, it was just a matter of when. Just to trace down what that was, the end of last year, Sean came out and tweeted in response to when is the sometime New York City box coming out? And he said, Well, sometime next year. Yep. Meaning this year. And then at the beginning of the year, they actually said coming soon on the website. Yeah. Then it just went away. I guess it was about March or April. Yep, I think you're right. And then just vanished and nobody heard anything. But yeah, looks uh, obviously it's back on track at last. Well, it was it was you and Tom that came up with the what is probably going on, right, Andy? Yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be the, the general consensus that the issue is, um, you know, the, the opening track, the single, you know, woman is the of the world. So how they're going to frame that in a 2022 context seems to be why it's been held back. So, hey, listen, history is history. I know it's tough these days, but I'm sure the Lennon camp proudly defends it as they should and trying to kind of get that released and packaged and not, you know, have uh, themselves get inundated with cancel culture type stuff. That's the deal. The rumor as you heard it was that the settlement they came to was that they were going to put the two live albums, the Lennon Live in New York City and then a live piece in Toronto in with this package. Yeah, and bundle it with some video footage from the one-to-one concert as well. That's also what I'm hearing from these not quite so reliable but not unreliable sources is that there will be a video Blu-ray, which is different than what they've been doing with the Lennon packages. Yeah. What say you, kid, with Sometime in New York City? I mean, it, it might be somebody's favorite album, but I mean, I don't think it's yours, right? No, it isn't. I mean, it's it definitely is lower ranking, shall we say. But, you know, I think we were talking about it the other day. I mean, it's history. There are some moments on there that I like and I love. I, as I think we were talking about the other day. Elephant's Memory, I do think. They were a great band, and particularly for that record. They were a great bar band. I don't know if I would necessarily call them a great band. They were for that record. I would say. I mean, they didn't have to be slick. And there were a couple of points on there where, you know, they could cook. We're all water and New York City and for what they were, and they were good. And I, I enjoyed them. I'm sure we're going to get a book with it that is going to go into great detail about the time period, you know, where they were politically. And they should, because, of course, many of the songs are specific to uh, different political issue and that will put the first song in political context you know angela we get it but how many of the 20 year old are gonna have any clue what angela meant right john sinclair right i mean you've even got a lot of songs that obviously tie into um what happened with sunday bloody sunday and and the luck of the irish and that's a major major historical event that probably if uh, students aren't in a college course, aren't even aware that event even happened. So to your point, kid, if a if an essay is authored well, explaining the politics of the day, 
then that will shed some light uh, and educate some people on what some time in New York City is. Yep, and will definitely enhance the enjoyment of it. I mean, it makes more sense when you know about those specific issues and also needs to explain the time that John and Yoko were living in, the atmosphere in New York, the people that they were hanging with. I mean, all of that. It has to be explained. And, you know, other than the concerts... This is their opportunity to put the Mike Douglas shows out there again. That whole week of Mike Douglas, that is very much tied into sometime in New York City. Yeah, that'd be great to have those out too. Not that they will. Yeah. I would expect if there's a video Blu-ray, it will start and stop with the video of the show. And then if they're doing live piece in Toronto, maybe that one as well. But that's kind of all I expect to get on the video disc. I'd love to see that. Yeah. That would be great. And then the, the other rumor from Beatle Fan is that at the end of October, so you know, about three weeks after this proposed date for the Lennon box, there's gonna be a revolver box. And you know Get out your credit cards. <laughs> if it's just a revolver box, it'll probably I would say be sub a hundred dollars. They're not gonna have quite so much as they do with Pepper or even with you know get back let it be it's maybe a three disc set depends on the outtakes how you know how much they've got but mm. we'll see revolver has always been the least bootlegged of albums. yet there's not that much in the pipeline from what i can gather so they're gonna have to really present them almost like what they're doing with the lennon stuff where they do an evolution type stuff if they which if they do that would be nice to see the evolution of the tracks but they have to have those you know in the vaults so yeah. we'll see yeah, that's true. I also hope that they throw in all of the butcher photos in the book. I mean, that's part of oh, that same yeah. history. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that'd be fun to see. And this would be the book to put it in. Mm -hmm. For sure. Oh, of course. Yeah, that would be fun to see. That's the news. That's what's going on in the Beatle world. Now we can talk about ourselves. Our favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, where do you want to start? We want to start with uh, our collective panel, or do you want to end with that? Whatever, whatever you think. Whatever uh, you know. If you want to end with a bang, or do you want to start individual? Whatever you think. I suppose what we need to let you guys know, in addition to spending some time at Kit's table, although we probably won't be there collectively at Kit's table, the room that we will be using for podcasting and live streaming if we do any live streaming is the mccarran room m-c-c-a-r-r-e-n which is not directly tied to the rest of the stuff but the you said you thought it was next to the art room yeah eric cash's exhibit room the great beatles artist did that wonderful portrait of how we envisioned when john and paul first met i'm sure it's seen tons of his work he has an art exhibit there every year and it's in this other wing same floor as all the other action going on you know the main ballroom and the marketplace and paperback writer room and all the other you know where a lot of the panels are this is a wing that's sort of across from that, where a lot of other activities will be going on. I think there's karaoke going on on that side and a number of other exhibits. And Eric Cash's is one of them. We are next to that, from what I can tell from the map. So look for us there. It should have a sign saying like Beatle Podcasts or something 
along those lines. And we do have some of them listed on the schedule, but we're also probably going to try and be doing some other ad hoc things during the weekend. Yeah, it's basically kind of our room. <laughs> so none of us have anything scheduled for Friday, is that correct? The only thing well, I have is just the Meet the Authors panel. It's around 5.15 and it's just all the authors getting up and introducing ourselves. So that's really it. So most of the action starts on Saturday. Saturday, starting at 1, is the Talk More Talk panel. Yes, and that will be in the uh, podcast from the Karen room, Talk More Talk. And unfortunately, my other wonderful co-hosts of Talk More Talk are not able to come to this fest, but it's still going to be a great time. Ken Womack, who is one of the founders of Talk More Talk, and we call him the fifth Beatle, is going to be co-hosting it with me. And we have two very special guests, authors that you all know and love, Piers Hemmingson and Chuck Gunderson, who wrote two terrific books uh, with Piers, The Beatles in Canada, and uh, with Chuck Gunderson, Some Fun Tonight, which is about the Beatles' North American tours. It's like the... The absolute best book on the North American tours. Yep. Exactly. And Piers, he is the authority on the Beatles' history in Canada with their releases, memorabilia, you name. And they agreed to join us for a live game of Rack Our Brains. And if you're a regular listener and viewer of our show, you know about it. It's a game where we kind of throw each other rapid-fire questions. They're not trivia. It's all opinion-based. And so we get to just just voice our opinion when we're accepting Beatles and solo related questions. You know, come to that session and bring questions. Uh, we just might might use one of uh, yours. So it'll be a really fun session, and we are recording it for a future broadcast. All right. So then just after that, we have an academia panel that is going to be in the paperback writer room. That's our only chance to get up on the real stage. Now it says the grand ballroom and it's actually the other side, as I told you, where a lot of the other action is taking place. And it's actually not the main stages, you know, where a lot of the concerts are. And also this is another ballroom, but they'll, they'll probably be like splitting it in half. They usually do that. And so this is the discussion room where all the authors are thus paperback writer room and so we'll be in there at what is it uh 2 30 yeah and we're gonna try not to be too dry no not at all we are academics but we also uh, realize that this is a fest and that people are here to have fun I mean, absolutely yeah i mean we're basically just going to talk about how there's been this just rapid growth of you know combining scholarship with the Beatles, whereas, you know, I don't know about you guys. I mean, you know, when I was in college, there were no classes on the Beatles. And today, it's a completely different story. Yeah, you've got degrees now, which is a great thing and would have been unheard of years ago. I mean, when I was in college, there was like a class on pop music, but it wouldn't have been or rock, or rock and roll, but it wasn't solely on the Beatles. Now you've got graduate level programs that are offering advanced degrees in it. And, um, you know, that's it's come a long way in the last 10 or 15 years. It sure has. So we're going to be talking a bit about that and a bit about, you know, what we do, you know, what research we've done and just to say, hey, you know, there are a lot of books out there and there's interesting research being done and don't be afraid to pick it up. It's some fascinating stuff. Okay, and then at 6.30, the three of us are on stage in the McCarran room. Uh, it's more or less what we're doing here. Uh, it's the usual rubbish, but it won't cost much. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's more than that. It is our big crossover event. It is first ever done of crossover of Talk More Talk, Two Legs, and When They Was Fab. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so looking forward to this, you guys. And it's going to be in that same McCarran room, the podcast room. And do you guys want to explain the topic? We can give you a couple of hints here. We're not going into too much detail. We don't want to spoil everything. Mm -hmm. But the topic we came up with is... Beatle documentaries through the years. And we're going to be discussing how they started, what was unique about them at the time, how they were perceived, and, you know, are they still considered canon? What were the better parts of all of them, specifically like the complete Beatles and kind of navigating the discussion through a couple of big highbrow releases like the anthology and, of course, tying it up with Get Back, which just came out last fall, and kind of talking about the other hits and misses of the documentaries and films that were made telling the Beatles' story over the last 50-plus years. Yeah, and we'll want to know, you know, what you think are some of the best documentaries uh, that have been done on the Beatles, because, you know, as we've been preparing for this, there's so many. You, you, you almost forget some of them. We've been preparing them. It's like, oh yeah, there was this one. Why do we always tend to remember the bad movies? Those are the ones that tend to stick out more. We hope to be able to have you guys share some of your favorites with us. And it's just going to be a fascinating, fascinating discussion. Again, it's being recorded and it will go out on one or more of our shows shortly thereafter. Yes, indeed. That's it for Saturday because, well, Saturday night, we want to party. We want to uh, uh, <laughs> see Lawrence Juber and see some of the other uh, live bands, Liverpool, who are playing the night away. There's actually one more thing of mine, almost forgot. 4.30 in the paperback writer room. Historians panel, and that's with many uh, people that uh, you guys know. Susan Ryan and her husband, Jim Ryan. And Susan's um, actually the moderator of the panel as well. Uh, Karen Duhai, uh, who will also be on the academics panel, and Scott Erickson, who many of you know from the Apple Jam stage, a great musician. And we are going to talk about lessons learned from Get Back. We did this panel in New Jersey, and it went over really well. Really had a great time discussing it and hearing from the audience about what they thought of the documentary, how the film did or did not change Beatles history. So uh, that's in the paperback writer room, 4.30 on Saturday. Okay, and then that takes us to Sunday. Sunday from 2.30 to 3.30, we're going to do this show, When They Was Fab, with Kit and... Ken Womack, our good friend. It's the Mostly Texas show. I'm the outsider. You're home, but you're the outsider. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, How's that work? The topic that we have decided upon, Ken, of course, has the Mal Evans books coming out late this year or early next. It turns out the two interviews that Mal did in late 1975 are actually out there on bootleg. There's two hours of Mal Evans talking about his life and... You listen to it, it's amazing how much of the common knowledge about Mal actually came from these interviews. Yeah, just really uh, interesting to listen to. And of course, Ken has particular insight into these interviews uh, with all the incredible research he's done on, on Mal. And by the way, he'll also be speaking about Mal various times throughout the weekend. You don't want to miss. In fact, I think Friday night, he's going to be sharing audio from the Beetle Fest. The second Beetle Fest, 1975. Yep. Yep. And, and Mal actually speaks about that in glowing terms yes. in both of these interviews. 
Exactly. So he's going to be talking about Mal then and then on your show. So really looking forward to talking with him about it. And Andy is listed as taking part in the program, even though he was not scheduled. He will be around. <laughs> you, you probably won't be on stage with us, but we'll bring him up. Absolutely. You can ask Ken some questions. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Yes, he will definitely be there. That then takes us into Sunday evening, the collector's panel. Now, Tom did this in New York, so you're going to have fun with that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the collector's panel with Ethan Alexanian, who's uh, another younger podcaster out there in the uh, the Beatles media world, and a great friend to all of us. Uh, we did some work with Ed, and he's done some work for Two Legs, and uh, just a great guy, and uh Looking forward to seeing him again. Piers Hemingway will be on there. Ray Zirkel and uh, Terry Crane. Terry is the master of all the Beatles story on NEMS and NEMS Enterprises. And we had him on two legs a few months back. And it'll, I'm really looking forward to being on this panel with Piers and Terry and Ray and Ethan. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. That was a fun panel in New Jersey. And I know it'll be great here with you on it. Are you going to be bringing something for show and tell? I'll try. I'll, I'll see if I can fit it into the suitcase. Yeah, and provided that it doesn't get damaged, but I will try. Yes. You can buy the McCartney box there and show that <laughs> off. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, you know, to be on that panel and, and on all the panels, really, and working and really just meeting everybody, the people that I've met at previous fests, the people that I haven't met or the people that I've kind of interacted with, you know, online or through our channel or through a podcast. So it's a dream come true. And I, I'm, I'm just so excited. And then our weekend ends with the Beatles media panel. All three of us are on there. Who else is on there, Kit? We've got Kim Womack, Ethan, and then two people that I got to meet, and Andy, I'm sure you did too, in New Jersey, Skylar Moody and Layla Ortiz. They are TikTokers. And they have TikTok channels. I always feel like such an old fogey when I talk about TikTok because it's something that I'm just sort of learning about you now. So I don't know if channel is the right term, but but they are quite popular on TikTok. And there aren't a ton of Beatles dedicated TikTokers out there. And so they're going to be on that panel as well. And uh, so you really get a, a nice selection here of podcasters, video casters, TikTokers. So it's it's going to be, I think, a very interesting panel. All I have to say about that is, ladies and gentlemen, your Beatle fan internet reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving you a hard time. Yeah, nope, that's okay. <laughs> that's what it, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, all right, that's where we're at. Great. And then Monday we all collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm extending my weekend by one more day. I'm taking Monday off as well, so. Good idea. <laughs> We're all going to need it. <laughs> yeah, Kit will need about 100 bottles of water just to get through the weekend of everything to cheese on. Oh my. Nah, she's going to go McCartney style. One little sip halfway through. McCartney <laughs> style. <laughs> yeah, my voice will be gone on Monday, but it's all worth it. <laughs> it's all absolutely no really it's a great time and the chicago fest i mean obviously i'm a little biased but the chicago fest is uh you know really special you know it's a great venue you know everybody always has a terrific time there lots of space and it's just a wonderful time a wonderful experience to go and hang out with fellow beetle geeks and just enjoy and you know hear some great music and take part in some great conversation. It's a fun, fun time. Absolutely. Amen. Looking forward to it. 
we always sit here, you know, wondering who's actually out there. If anybody listening to us, you know, sometimes we get some response through our message boards and through email and through Twitter, but it's a very different thing to actually meet y'all. You know, we're, we're looking forward to having you come up. Don't be afraid to introduce yourselves to us. We really want to meet y'all and we want to hear your opinions. If, if you have things to say about our shows, if you want to say that Tom Hunyadi is not nearly as good as Annie Nichols, <laughs> then, you know, feel, feel free, feel free to bring that up. We love you, Tom. Oh, poor Tom. We love you, Tom. We just... love you, Tom. We love you, Tom. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. This has been a special episode of When They Was Fab. Look forward to seeing y'all this weekend. See you then. See y'all soon. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Welcome to Channel 19, Public Access TV, and I am standing right here with the one and only Mark Lapidos, the founder and promoter of Beetlefest. Mark, nice to meet you again. I've been coming to Beetlefest on and off for years. Can you tell me how many years? Well, 22 years here in Chicago, and this may be the biggest one yet. It's uh, off to a great start. It's here Friday night, and the place is pretty crowded, and people are having a good time. Is Paul McCartney here? Of course he's here. No, he's not here in person. He's here with us, though. We, his, his energy. Are we ever going to see a beetle here at Beetlefest? I'm very optimistic, sure. I, I think agree. So. I agree. But you said this is the biggest one ever, and I'm thinking, well, maybe this is the night he's here. Well, I wouldn't tell you if he was, so. Well, it's up to us then to find out. But what I want to ask you. Oh, hi, Paul. <laughs> Let me do fucking 64.
tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going.